Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 3, Chapter 50 How a Man Ought to Put Himself in God's Hands in Time of Trouble. Lord God, Holy Father, May you be blessed both now and forever. Whatever happens comes about because you wish it so. And what you do is good. I am your servant. Let me rejoice not in myself or in any other, but in you. Because you alone are my real happiness. You are my hope and my crown. Lord, my joy and my honor. What does this servant of yours possess that he has not received from you? And that through no merit of his own. Everything is yours, both what you have given and what you have made. Ever since youth, misery and mortal sickness have been my lot. Often enough, I am so sad at heart that my eyes fill with tears. And sometimes my soul is in turmoil because of the strong feelings that oppress it. I long for the joy of your peace, praying hard for the peace enjoyed by your children who are allowed by you to roam the shining pastures of your consolation. If you give me this peace, if you flood my heart with holy joy, my soul will burst into joyful song and devote itself to praising you. But if you withdraw from me, as you do so often, I shall be unable to run on the road of your commandments. Instead, on bended knees, I shall beat my breast because my life is no longer what it was yesterday and the day before when your lantern gleamed above my head and I found in the shelter of your wings a refuge from the temptations that assailed me. Father of all justice, you who are ever to be praised, the hour has come for the testing of this servant of yours. Father, to whom all love is due, it is right that your servant should suffer something on this occasion for your sake. Father, to whom we owe unceasing worship, the time has come which you foresaw from all eternity would meet me. The time for your servant to lay low for a while in the eyes of the world, though in your sight, this inner light remains forever as it was. For a short time, he must be scoffed at, humiliated, and brought low in the eyes of men, tormented by the vehemence of his feelings and by weakness that with you he may rise again in the dawn of a new day and in heaven be clothed with glory. Holy Father, that is the way you have decreed it should happen, the way you have willed it. What has happened has happened by your command. That is the way you show favor to any friend of yours. You let him suffer and meet with trouble in this world for love of you. The number of times this shall happen 
and the instrument of his affliction are determined by your permission. For nothing on earth takes place that has not been planned by you, foreseen by you. Nothing happens by chance. It was in mercy you did chastise me, schooling me to your obedience. I will renounce all elation of heart, all presumption. It is good for me to have known disgrace. Let it make me seek you rather than men to bring me comfort. Another lesson I have learned from this experience, that of standing in dread of your unsearchable judgment, because you afflict the good along with the wicked, yet not without being fair and just in your judgment. Thank you for not sparing my evil doing, but for chastising me instead with a lash of bitter grief, afflicting me with sorrows and sending me troubles both inward and outward. There is nothing can comfort me of everything beneath the heavens, but you alone, my Lord and my God. You are the heavenly healer, the Lord of life and death, who brings men to the grave and back from the grave. Your tender care is above me. Your very rod teaches me a lesson. See, my beloved father, I am in your hands. I bend low to take the blows of your chastising rod. Strike me where you will, across the back, across the neck, and make me bring my crooked ways in line with your will. Make a loving and humble pupil of me, as you have so often made others, one who will take a step only at a sign from you. To you, Lord, I offer my, to you, Lord, I offer for your correction, both myself and all that is mine. It is better to be punished here than in the world to come. You know all that is and every part of all that is. For you, no one's conscience has any secrets. You know the future before it comes along. And you have no need of anyone to tell you what is happening on earth. You know what I need if I am to make any progress. Know how efficient much trouble can be in scrubbing away the rust of my sins. Make me long to do what pleases you best, and do not scorn my sinful life, that no one knows better or more clearly than you alone. Lord, grant that I may know what I ought to know, love what I ought to love, praise what best pleases you, value what you best deem precious, condemn whatever in your eyes seems filthy, let me not judge things by outward appearances or form. Let me not make my opinions based on the hearsay of those who know but little. Give me that true judgment, which can form a correct opinion on matters both of the world we see and that other world of the spirit. And let me above all else seek what best pleases your will. Men's senses often lead them astray when it comes to deciding any matter. There are others led astray, too, by loving only what they can see. I mean the lovers of this world. What does a man gain from being held in high repute by someone else? When one man praises another, it is a case of one hypocrite deceiving his fellow hypocrite, the blind cheating the blind, the weak the weak. 
and so meaningless the praise is. It's really more of a disgrace to its recipient than anything else. What every man is in your sight, Lord, that is what he is and nothing more. It was the humble St. Francis who said that. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide, amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, mirror of the divine life, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. When we read this chapter, it's important to try to think about various saints. It's important to think, for example, about St. Philip Neri. When he was leading a very successful apostle as a young priest, leading his pilgrimage to the seven churches, hearing 40 confessions in the morning before even the dawn, reviving daily communion, building up spiritual, helping other people build up their spiritual lives. He was called in by the Pope's right-hand man, the vicar, Cardinal Vicar of Rome, and accused of trying to be the former of a sect. That He was trying to make himself famous, that he was trying to puff himself up. He was a proud and vain man. And the Pope's representative, the second most powerful man in the church in terms of authority, told St. Philip that he was forbidden until he said otherwise to hear confessions, to go in the pilgrimage of seven churches, to, to meet with anyone. And St. Philip looked at the crucifix that was on the cardinal's wall, and he looked at Jesus and said, you know, Lord, if I do this to make myself the head of a party or for your glory. And then he looked at the cardinal and said, I began this for the glory of God and I will give it up for the glory of God. And he walked out. Well, when people said to St. Philip, what happened? What's going on? Why can't you hear my confession? Blah, blah, blah. St. Philip said, when I have gained from this what I'm supposed to gain, when I have learned the humility I'm supposed to learn, it will pass. And he would never let anyone criticize the cardinal. And even when that cardinal died suddenly, a few, day, a few weeks later, and people began to say in Rome, aha, divine justice, St. Philip would stop them short. It would never let anyone say something like that. In other words, St. Philip understood the lesson of tonight's chapter. That human instrumentality, even persecution, even foolishness, wickedness, cruelty, blindness, ignorance, lust, all kinds of stuff, greed, can be the way in which God shapes us. If I were humble, this would not be happening to me, St. Philip said. And when I have gained from it what I will, it will pass. 
This is a very terrifying thing for St. Philip. We cannot underestimate how painful this kind of attack was. And this chapter is not in any way undermining or saying that the suffering we go through is not real. No, it's terrible. It's real. And it's partly because it is so terrible and it so much cuts against what we want that it has such great power to transform us and to make us holy. Because for us to accept this, that it's happening, requires a profound love of God. It's almost as though we reach a certain limit to the love we have for God in conforming us to his will. On our own, we can only go so far. And then he puts something in our path we really don't want that really makes us suffer. And for us to reach out across that kind of abyss and say to him, yes, to grab on to that thing he's proposing to us. It's what expands our ability to love. It increases our ability to love. And it purifies us of a lot of self-seeking. So let us pray tonight for the grace to recognize when our Father in heaven is pruning us. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. And my father is the vine dresser. And those he loves, he prunes so that they might bear more fruit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.